Rich and Mike Show, Flagler County's hometown sports show. Here are your hosts, Rich Carroll and Mike Licio. Yes, it's another episode of the Rich and Mike Sports Show. Good Saturday morning, Flagler County. And a good Saturday morning to you, Mike Licio. Hello, Flagler County. Rich, was Santa good to you this year? Oh, man, Santa was excellent to me this year. I'm super pumped up. Christmas was fantastic, especially, I got to admit, when it comes to uh, the family dinner. You know, we got to have Thanksgiving dinner all over again on Christmas. I guess, what do you, do you call that the holiday turkey? Because you can't call it Thanksgiving dinner anymore. But it was just as delicious, all the fixings, and it was so nice I had to have it twice. So that's what I was pumped up about. See, I want prime rib and lasagna. I made lasagna for the first time, which as an Italian who loves to cook, I'm sure that comes as a surprise that I'd never done it before. But it came out pretty good. Wow, I'm a big lasagna guy. So what kind of lasagna was it? Did you did you have meat in there? Did you have sausage? What did you do? So I made a bolognese sauce. So that was, I actually did pork, beef, and then when I got my rib roast, I, I trimmed it down. And so I took some of the trimmings and put that in the sauce too. Oh, so yeah, we amazing. definitely had... A nice combination. I mean, it came out pretty good. I look forward to making it again. I had to stop eating it, though, (laughs) because I'm trying to get my weight down a little bit. And eating lasagna every day for lunch for four (laughs) days in a row is probably not the way to do that. But it's so spectacular. It's magical. This time of year. It gets better every day. (laughs) And that's true, too. Any pasta, especially uh, something like lasagna, for whatever reason, the next day, the day after, like you said, it just keeps getting better and better every single day and I can't that wouldn't last long in this house for sure Uh, but uh, you know it's a magical time of year here at the end you're talking about the holidays and with Santa good to you and then you mix that in with the food and then of course the sports we were treated on Christmas Eve well if you're a Jet fan you weren't necessarily that was a bit of a, a, a torture game right there they win the game but they probably should have lost but anyway uh christmas eve and, and christmas day you have not just the nba but also the nfl this year so you know you mix the the, the sports the food the holidays and and mike it, it's the most wonderful time of the year I, there's no argument i think absolutely not we had a lot of sports this week it was interesting to see how the nfl just kind of Kind of hijacked Christmas from the NBA this year, but oh, and the numbers were ridiculous. I, I don't have specific games, but uh, I forgot the specifics. But it was averaging, you know, twenty nine million views for the NFL game and two million views for the NBA game. So uh, when you look at that, it's obvious that the NFL is still king of all when it comes to sports, uh, at least in this country. And we had not much going on on the local front this week, you know, which is why we were fortunate to have the NFL and the NBA and bowl season continues on. But that's going to change. So we've had Matanzas basketball play Thursday and Friday night in the Jarvis Williams tournament. They were supposed to play the week before in the Pooh Bear Williams Invitational down in Crescent City. So two basketball t- tournaments in Putnam County, both named after former football players. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Again, so, football is king. You know, we'll, we'll name streets and and although in New York it's baseball and 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 uh, we 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 changed River Avenue to Rivera Avenue for obvious reasons. <laughs> but so, but everything's coming back to life, though. Everybody's had their Christmas break. Teams are back to practicing. 
uh, we'll have a very busy week, despite the fact that school doesn't go right back to it after the beginning of the year. Sports will go right back to it. FPC basketball will be in action on the boys' and girls' side beginning on Tuesday. That'll get things kicked off. And then from there, we'll have – they'll be at Nice. And then we have – Matanzas will get back to action on Thursday. We'll have a game for at Matanzas on Saturday night. Looking forward to that. We haven't gotten to see much of the Pirates, although I can get to see a bunch of the Pirates that actually – on Thursday, yeah, I, I think you in person have seen more pirate basketball than we have had on the broadcast so far. Only one broadcast of a Matanzas game this year, but you saw them against the alma mater, right? You were out there for that game, and then you were there big for win. Palatka this week. Yeah, big win. Only their second win of the season, 2-8. and eight. Uh, We were talking about it before the show. I don't think the coach thought that they would be 2-8 and eight this year, but uh, unfortunate circumstances and um, you know, you've seen more of the Pirates than I have this year. What do they do well, and uh, why do you think maybe the, the record doesn't reflect what expectations were heading into the season? I think they're still learning to come together as a team. I think you've seen individuals shine at different times, and at the beginning of the year, everybody would have believed that Henry Robinson Jr. would be the focal point of the team, and he is, and he's averaging – over 20 points a game, but other guys have stepped up as well. You know, Tariq Shakir had a couple of very good games. Ryerson Jefferson had a great game Thursday night, having over 30 points. So I think the pieces are starting to figure out how to fit together, and they've all been close games. Even the loss against Black on Thursday, that was a one-point game until about the two-minute mark of the game, and I think it's just the team that's trying to learn to come together. I you know, Alex Davis being out has hurt the team, of course, the big 6'9 center. But you're starting to see other guys step up, you know, on the team besides Jefferson. And besides Jefferson and Shakir, you've seen Peter Austin, you know, be a force on the boards for them. You know, of course, like I said, Henry Robinson Jr., you know, continues to shine. Michael McGuire got some good minutes the other night. Ladarian Baker is getting some good minutes. Dave Peterson, you know, has made his presence known. So the team is coming together. Like I said, it's a very young team with a lot of pieces that are learning to fit. And I think they're starting to get there, but they're also playing tough teams. That Palaka team is 10 and 2. That St. Augustine team is very good. You know, they played a very good Ponavidra team, very good first coast team. We saw Father Lopez and Malacca in person. Those are both very good teams. So they've played a tough schedule. It's a combination of a tough schedule and a young team that's trying to find itself. But I think they are starting to get there. Yeah, Father Lopez, they're one of those teams. They just rain threes all over the place. They play a fun brand of basketball. It's really fun to watch. And uh, Shakir, we, we, you know, at least the one game that we saw, it was a game of runs the, the way you describe the Palacca game, the 14-2 run to to end the game and, and give Palaka the win. But we saw that in the game we covered where uh, Shakir went crazy in that third quarter, knocking down threes. And it seems similar with FPC where Coach Talley would tell us about, I'm, I'm preaching to the team to play a full game. We need to play four quarters. We can't just show up in the second quarter and the fourth quarter. And, and they seem to be putting that together over there with the Bulldogs. It seems to be that, uh, you know, the Pirates, they play in spurts. And when they're really good, 
they're really good, and and when they're really bad, the other team goes on a on a fourteen two run. So, and I think at any level of basketball, that's something that uh, you know when you know we say that basketball is a game of runs, right? But how much can you limit that run by the other team, and then how can you respond to it with your own run and a fourteen two run to end the game? You hope that that's something that you can learn from and you can figure out how to limit that fire, that that explosion from the other team so that you have a shot at the end of the game. Because you said it's a one-point game. If they can limit that 14-2 run to maybe a 7-1 run or a 7-2 run, then you're you're more in the game and you have a shot at the end there. But uh, limit the other team's uh, opportunities uh, during these hot streaks, during these runs, and and respond to it with your own run. Uh, they just uh, they haven't seen, and like I said, I've only seen uh, the the Pirates once this year. But that seems like something that they have to figure out. And I don't think you're too far off in that St. Augustine game. They jumped out to an eleven nothing lead in that game, and St. Augustine clawed all the way back and got it close in the second half. And then Matanzas went on a run, and St. Augustine got it close again. And in that game, they were able to keep the lead. Even Thursday night at Palatka, Palatka led after the first quarter. Matanzas put together a very good second half, and that was with Henry Robinson out. Jefferson, Shakir, Peterson, those guys were all getting it. Austin, they're all getting it done without Junior Robinson, which I think is good to see in a way because you want to see how a team can play without their star on the floor. And they showed they could, and they got the lead back. And then Palatka had a very dominant third quarter. They outscored him 19-8 in that quarter. So that's that goes right with what you're talking about with, you know, trying to be more consistent across the board. And then they rallied back. And not only did they get that come back from down five, they took the lead. And then Palaka at the end, a veteran team. And I think that's part of it with Palaka is they have a veteran team that's played together a while. And you saw that they're 10 and two for a reason. And one of those reasons, by the way, was Trent Williams, who I think had eight of those 14 points, eight or 10 of those 14 points down the stretch for Palaka. We saw him against FPC. He had 22, I think, in the game against FPC. A very good player on a very on a very good team. But to your point, you know, I think that's been an issue. Is It's been an issue for both teams in the county is just trying to sustain it for 32 minutes. And again, I think they're both in similar situations in that respect, that they're both two teams with – you know, trying to meld together some pieces. You know, in FPC's case, it's a new coaching staff. In Matanzas's case, it's, you know, bringing a, a bunch of young players together. And I think last year, when they had Carl Knighton, you know, for a long time, you know, the team was centered around Carl Knighton. And it was only in the second half of the season that those pieces started to fit together. And we're starting to see that a little bit with Matanzas this week. Doesn't get any easier. They've got a very tough, Cape Coral team that they'll be playing on Thursday. They'll be playing Terry Parker at Rebalt. And then we've got a good one on Saturday night. And I think this is when we're going to see Matanzas at their stride. I feel pretty good about that going into it. But like you said, it's just a matter of can they keep it together for 32 minutes? Yeah, and obviously a lot of games scheduled here in January for the stretch run and a lot of home games. That's another thing you look at. With the Pirates, not a lot of games at the ship so far this year. Very bizarre schedule, which is why we've been 
very FPC heavy early on on the WNZF Sports Network with the games we have been covering. And one of those games scheduled here, uh, actually a road game, is on the 17th with FPC, uh, coined the Battle of Beltaire by uh, Mike Licio, the, 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 the FPC Bulldogs hosting the Matanzas Pirates. That's going to be an interesting game because regardless of the Pirates' uh, record, 2-8, and eight, at this point, I believe the the Bulldogs are five and seven. Uh, you know, you know they're going to show up for that game. Both teams are going to be pumped up. You're going to want to win that game, um, and both sides will be well represented in the crowd. There's going to be a lot of energy in that building at the Anderson Gym, and we'll be there with the WNZF Sports Network broadcast the game on the Flagler Radio YouTube channel, on the the WNZF Facebook page, and that game will be on the radio on 94.9 FM. So we'll be all over that one as the Bulldogs host the Pirates. And, you know, you never know at that point, Pirates do have an opportunity to maybe uh, get a couple of wins in, a, wins in a row, go into that game on a winning streak. Maybe they're the hot team by the time we get there in a couple of weeks. So a lot of basketball to be played. And, and Mike, uh, speaking of the Bulldogs, they have had a pretty good season at five and seven, and they're another team. You mentioned close games; they're usually in the game. You know, whether it's a win, whether it's a loss. You know, their last game against Father Lopez, they did lose by fifteen. But uh, you look at the games before that: uh, the game against Gateway, they lose by four. They win by five against Atlantic. They lose by five to Menendez. You know, so uh, they play a lot of close games. There's a lot of heart with that Bulldog team, uh, and and that's one thing that we've seen uh, with the Bulldogs this year. They are undersized in a, in a lot of these matchups with these teams. We saw the Palaka game. Uh, Palaka looked a lot bigger uh, than FPC, but you know they, they were able to to get out there and 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 get the job done. So um, yeah, against Atlantic, I guess that's the game we covered, right, Mike? Atlantic. The, the, we did both of them. Yes, yeah, so Atlantic was the last one. The Atlantic, uh, that's the game I'm referring to, the Atlantic game, the 57-52 victory. You know, they, Atlantic looked bigger than them, but uh, they they play as a team, and they got a lot of guys that can hurt you, not just by scoring the basketball, which is obviously important because you got to score the ball. And, you know, they got Jameer Clark for, for that, and they got a couple of other guys that could put the ball in the basket. But they got some, some awesome hustle players you you know guys that get at it like Camarian Lang you see him all over the floor rebound stealing the ball you know Nation Royal a lot of hustle plays in him Anthony Hampton we see him emerging as a guy that that's important on the boards not just the defensive boards but he's getting some offensive rebounds and putbacks and getting to the free throw line so you know this is like uh, that you know uh, what would you call it like the construction worker team the the uh, blue collar you know they work lunch pail. exactly there you go the lunch pail team man they they get at it and and whether they're undersized or you want to think that the other team has a little more talent maybe uh they're in every game they play just about and maybe that's coaching maybe it's just uh, something naturally in these players but uh you see when i see the bulldogs i see a, a group of guys that are really learning to play together and the next step to, and coach tally talked about this as well the next step is, all right, taking that ability to, to play together, play a complete game, but now you have to learn how to win. And it's important in any sport, but especially in basketball, you learn when you have a lead in the fourth quarter, a way to protect it and, and to come away with the victory. And maybe that, that's something, learning how to win, that's the, the final step here 
for the Bulldogs to get over the top and and make this a winning season because that's not out of the question. They are five and seven. They're only two games under 500. A lot of basketball left to play here um, and a lot of learning and and development to be done uh, over the next month. But uh, so many guys that that I like to watch play, even, you know, we we know Corinthians Watson with the football and he's another hustle player. And uh, they're just uh, they're a fun team to watch, Mike. And uh, they play hard every single time we've seen them play basketball this year. They're out there playing hard. Yeah, you got to like the job that Mike Talley has done. He was hired very late in the process. I don't think he was actually officially hired into the school until October. And they've played some tough teams, too. They've got Altamont, Christian coming in. And then after that, tough games against Nice, Orange Park. New Smyrna again, and then, of course, Matanzas. And I think that's one advantage FPC has had to Matanzas. You talked about the schedule, and Matanzas has had a tough time with scheduling this year. They've had a few games canceled. In fact, that game Thursday night was just their third game in the last 26 days. And if you go a four-week stretch and only play three games in basketball, it's tough to get that rhythm going. And you saw with FPC that they had a bunch of games early, and they continued – We'll see how they, I'll be interested to see how they come out of the break because they're kind of going through. They played a bunch of games early, but they're coming off a little bit of a layoff. You know, they haven't played a game when they play on Tuesday. They'll have played their first game in about 10 days, and we'll see if the layoff affects them at all. But, you know, they're definitely going in the right direction. You see different guys stepping up. And like I said, I think that's what we I, I've taken away from FPC is that different guys step up. You know, Jameer Clark is the guy. But it seems like every night he's 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 the guy, but there's other guys who are supporting him. And it seems like different nights, it's different guys. You know, we saw it was Anthony Hampton the other day against Atlantic. It was it was Nashawn Royal early in the year when we had them against Palaka. You know, that Farlow Lopez game, Kamari and Lang had a big game. And they are they just play as a team and they make up for their lack of size and that was one of the things actually I was very happy to see while we're talking about the lack of size is Atlantic went big on them and they were able to adjust and still stay productive and, you know, keep themselves from letting that game get out of hand and ultimately emerge with a win, even against a team that plays bigger. And that when they, when we talk about that game on the 17th, that's where Matanzas is going to give FPC trouble. They've got size, not just, Alex Davis and Junior Robinson, who are 6'9 and 6'7, respectively. But they've got Dave Peterson at 6'5. They've got Peter Austin at 6'4. And it's going to be a challenge for their length. But it's a challenge that I think that they're up for. And it's a game I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because it's still three weeks away. But I've obviously got that one circled on the calendar as well. Oh, yeah, that's going to be exciting. And again, we'll have that on the WNZF Sports Network, Flagler Radio YouTube channel. WNZF Facebook page and on the radio 94.9 FM. All right, Mike, I wanted to give you a chance. I don't think uh, you've given your perspective on this. A lot of controversy with the college football playoff. Maybe we talked about it, but we'll talk about it again here with the games coming up on Monday. Uh, Of course, Texas, Washington, Alabama, Michigan, your Georgia Bulldogs knocked out in that championship game, losing to uh, the Crimson Tide and, um, the the real controversy, I guess, for people here in Florida was the fact that Florida State undefeated. They get left out of the college football playoff. And uh, 
one, one funny thing, everybody knows Trent Ferguson. He was the WNZF sports anchor before you, and, and uh, we did a show, and I was talking to Trent uh, about a week ago, and he tells me, uh, he says, I'm, never, I'm not going to watch another college football game this year because of what happened to Florida State and being left out of the college football playoff as an undefeated team. Then he calls me back a day later. Oh, my mom got me tickets to the Orange Bowl. <laughs> so I guess I will be watching another college football uh, pl- uh, game this year. And I wonder, I haven't uh, followed it much, Mike. Uh, I wonder how many players are actually going to play in that game. You know, are they taking it seriously? Do, you know, uh, how how much effort or, or how much does it even matter to Florida State or Georgia to win this Orange Bowl? That's, I think, one of the things that's changed about the bowls with the college football playoff is that if you're a team like Florida State or a team like Georgia, whose expectation was to make that playoff, the bowl comes off as a consolation prize and not a good one. It's almost turned into the NIT that you see in college basketball where teams make the NIT. Although I will say I was very excited when JU won a game in the NIT about 12 years ago, but that's another show. We'll talk about that another day. I think that for Georgia, you know, the game is tonight, and it's still a question mark whether Brock Bowers is going to play or not. And as he goes, so does the Georgia offense, the tight end for Georgia. He He's so dynamic and can beat you so many different ways. I think he's a big part of it. I don't think motivation for either team is going to be a problem. I know teams look at that, and that's automatically what they say. I just think this is a Florida State team that was set up. My my opinion, Florida State should have been in the playoff. They would have lost whoever they played against, but you go undefeated in a Power 5 conference, you win your championship, you've earned that right to go play that game. But on the other hand, I think this is a Georgia team that is better than Florida State without Jordan Travis. I don't think that... And then you've got quarterbacks transferring, you got players entering the transfer portal. I think this is going to be a Florida State team that's going to be down. They've lost, I think, about 20 players to the portal since the game. So I don't think they're going to have a full squad. So I do think Georgia's going to win the game, but I also don't think that's a it's a fair measuring stick to say this Florida State squad is the squad that has been all along. To, be, to base their season on the results of the Orange Bowl would be unfair based on the Jordan-Travis injury and based on all the defections to the transfer portal. But I hope Trent has fun. He yeah. almost made it a few days. I know Trent is very passionate about his Seminoles, and I, I, I hope it's a good experience for him nonetheless, but I don't think he's going to be happy with the result. Oh, yeah. I'd never hear Trent angry or upset, but, man, he had a rant ready <laughs> for that uh, uh, that whole situation with Florida State. And who knows, if they, if they win this game against all odds, they can be self-proclaimed. Self-proclaimed national champions, right, Mike? Why not? Hang a banner well, and everything. I don't want to trigger the UCF fans in the <laughs> audience, but took my son to a UCF game against SMU a few years back, about 2018, 2019. And you go into Spectrum Stadium and up there on the press box, above the press box, it says 2017 national champions. And <laughs> they're going to come after me for this, but I said to my son, I said, that's not how that works. Yeah. I understand where UCF's coming from. I understand where Florida State's probably coming from. But, you know, all the lawsuits and resolutions and putting up of banners in the world doesn't make it so. 
Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. But at the same time, hey, if you say it, some people are going to believe it. And it, the, the way the format is, who's to argue? But I'll, I'll say this. That's what makes next year so exciting because uh, with the new format, a team like UCF would have had an opportunity to prove themselves and prove it on the field. Florida State and Georgia would have a shot. You know, Georgia would have a chance to defend their national championship, which I think even with that loss in the championship game, they should have a shot at the national championship just because they're defending champions. I, I think this 14 playoff has been ridiculous for years now. I'm glad that they're fixing it. Uh, you know, these teams deserve a shot to prove it on the field, and uh, we're finally going to get that next year. So on the field, Michigan, Alabama, Texas, Washington. I have seen a lot of Alabama and Michigan this year, not so much with Texas and Washington. So, uh, you know, I, I would love to see Michigan finally get it done, especially with all the controversy surrounding them and, and Harbaugh this year. It would be a, a pretty fun to see them uh, win it all. So that's probably, uh, if I did have a dog in the fight, that's who I would be rooting for. Um, and I just, I just don't want to see Alabama win again. So I'd like to see, I think Michigan will win that game. I think it's their time. I don't have much of an, an opinion on, on Texas-Washington, though. Uh, what do you think about these games, Mike? Rooting for Jim Harbaugh. That's an interesting take, Rich. Why not? Uh, I, I can't root for Harbaugh. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the cheating scandal, alleged cheating scandal, the buying cheeseburgers for recruits, none of that. I just never liked him. I just always found him to be kind of, kind of pompous and kind of, you know, I liked his little I know run. I have a good word I can use on the air for the way I feel. <laughs> you see, about. it goes all the way back for me though. When I was a young Jet fan, I really liked seeing him as quarterback of the Colts and that little run he went on. Uh, it was it was like he was the underdog. He came out of nowhere uh, and they went on that playoff run uh, with the Colts. So uh, it might be a childhood thing. I've always liked Jim Harbaugh. You know the success he had with the 49ers. He's had success. Everywhere he goes, and he will when he becomes the the Jets head coach. No, I'm kidding. You know, we can I'll all take it. we can all dream, but um, yeah, no, I uh, I'm definitely going to be rooting for Michigan in the Rose Bowl for sure because I don't want to see Alabama win. So uh, I'll take Michigan Texas. That seems like a fun matchup in the national championship game, and get ready for next year, which is sure to be extremely exciting so uh, you got all that uh, not a lot of time left here any highlights uh, from the NFL you want to throw out there Mike it's been <laughs> obviously I guess we could talk about our team yeah, the Jets are terrible uh, they have a 27 to 7 lead against the commanders and uh, blow that 28 27 Zerline hits the 54 yard field goal to save some face on that day, for whatever reason, Woody Johnson decided to come out and say, everybody safe. No, we knew that anyway with Rodgers coming back. They weren't going to change the coaching staff. But all these guys deserve to be fired. You know, but, but before the game, Johnson comes out. Salah's safe. Douglas is safe. Everybody, Hackett's safe. Everybody's coming back. And then they almost blow the game. And then they look absolutely terrible against the Browns on Thursday night football. The, the 85 Bears, the best defense in the league, gives up 34 points in the first half. Uh, and then only three points in the second half. But at that point, the game was over anyway. Mike, uh, what do you think about the state of, uh, of your uh, NFL football team, the New York Jets, as obviously this season is over, but Rodgers is coming back. The coaching staff is coming back. Maybe a deal for another wide receiver, Devontae Adams. Maybe a Mike Evans comes into the fold. You draft heavy uh, on offensive linemen. 
and maybe this thing gets fixed next year. What, what do you think about the future of your team? It's the Jets. I said it before the year. I say it now. They'll find a way to screw it up. I wouldn't mind. I think after the last two weeks, he's got to give serious consideration, and they won't. To Salah being, um, being gone as head coach, Harbaugh will be available, I think. I think he's going to be available, and he's won everywhere, whether it's the University of San Diego, Stanford, the San Francisco 49ers, Michigan, all the guys. Like I said, don't get it twisted. I don't like the guy, but it's hard to argue with his success, except for that time that they lost on a game-winning field goal to JU. That's two JU references in the show. <laughs> Let's make it a third. Shout-out to JU assistant coach Ivana Boyd, who's a former FPC Bulldog. Uh, that JU team is starting to come together. But as far as the Jets, they'll screw it up. They always do. They always will. Even this year, I expected it to go badly. I didn't expect it to go this badly. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 and it just got worse and worse with every decision, not signing a, a, a backup quarterback after Roger goes down and giving the season to Zach Wilson again, even after what we saw last year. Yeah, and it just seems like the timeline never works out with the Jets. It's If Harbaugh becomes available, and they're not even considering that after watching – uh, you know, Salah last couple of years and, and his awful, I think it's 17 and 42. I don't know how a guy like that survives, but he will. He'll be back. The whole coaching staff is coming back. And all you can say is same old Jets, but it's not going to be the same old year. 2024 is upon us. Happy New Year, Flagler County. We'll see you next year. That's another episode of the Rich and Mike Sports Show.